Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Friday, August 6th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. So much going on in soccer this week, locally and internationally. Sporting Kansas City visited Los Angeles and put a beat down on LAFC. What is it about the West Coast this team seems to love? Sporting welcome back Alan Polito from Gold Cup duty, but has bid farewell to Gianluca Busio, whose transfer to the Italian team is now official. How did Sporting address this roster opening? We tell you. Speaking of the Gold Cup, and we do on the show, a great experience for Busio, who I think we'll see more on national teams going forward. After a break, we talk about the U.S. women's national team and their bronze medal performance at the Olympics. It's a medal, right? But was this a gold or bust moment for the team coached by Kansas City? So what happens just before a podcast? All of this and more with star reporters Sean Goodwin and Cora Hall. Let's get started. Well, now we can get started um, because we were delayed, not because anybody was late, but because we were frantically trying to figure out the pronunciation, the correct pronunciation of Jose (laughs) Mori's. I can't even get it right. Um, his Marty, last we'll, we'll go with Marty. We're going to yeah. go with Murray. Is that what we're going to do? That's all we'll go with. All right. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, the, the latest uh, acquisition by Sporting Kansas City, an international transfer, happened just today. We're recording this on Thursday uh, mid-afternoon. Sean, take us through the circumstances that brought uh, Jose Mori to Sporting KC. What kind of player is he? Where did he come from? When are we going to see him in the lineup? Yeah, so uh, Jose Mori, Argentinian Italian midfielder. Uh, born in Argentina, his Italian, uh, his grandmother is Italian, and he spent most of his career in Italy, actually, uh, for the likes of AC Milan, Empoli, a um, couple of Italian teams out there. But yeah, uh, Sporting KC brought him in on a free transfer uh, from Argentinian side Tellerez earlier today. Uh, his contract had grown out there. Now he'd been released by the club. Um, and Sporting KC has brought him in on basically a deal through 2022 uh, with an option for 2023. Uh, a guy who can play the six, he can play the eight, which I personally think Sporting KC, with the emergence of Cam Duke and Felipe Hernandez's consistent playing outside of his personal leave. I thought Sports and KC was good in midfield, but um, yeah, he's coming. And I was kind of the segues what we'll be talking about soon with Buzio. Uh, wasn't in the squad for LAFC. Uh, rumours with him to ring FCA. It's, you know, it's kind of what's being whittled down to will be finalised soon, it looks like. Uh, so yeah, we've got uh, Maury coming as what looks to be his replacement. Before we get into that and um and, and Buzio's uh status how long how long would you expect it to take him to get up to speed and you know the sporting plays on Saturday at Colorado and I, that would seem to me too soon to see him in a uniform uh but I don't know I mean it, you, you tell me how, how soon could it be I don't expect him to go on at any meaningful minutes for a couple of weeks um, I say that with the fact that um, the Argentinian league is split into two phases, basically. Very similar to Liga MX, uh, the Epic Tour and Colossera. 
same Argentina, so they finished their season in May. Uh, and then there was like the quarterfinals and semis of the playoffs, um, which he doesn't feature in. So, uh, you know, he played a couple of games back in May and the Argentinian league started off this past couple of weeks, but he hasn't played any games out of the four games played so far. So we're talking about a guy who hasn't played in a competitive fixture since May. So, you know, when you think of it like that, it's, it's basically a thing off-season, you know, and most guys, I'm sure he's been practising and training, but he hasn't had any significant game time for a long time. So, as I was saying just then, I think Sporting's got plenty of depth, to be honest. You know, Espinosa's, you know, kind of near the end of his career and whatnot, but Ily can slot in there. Cam Duke has been doing great. Um, Remy Walter is stepping up, so... I don't think it's a huge issue, but you know, it, it's good depth and whether he's a starter or not for the long term, I don't know. But I think it'll be a couple of weeks till we get our first pop look at him, to be honest. And there's plenty of season left for yeah for Sporting KC. And what you know what? Um listen, I'm I'm all it sounds like he sounds like a very talented guy. Can't wait to see him in the lineup, but the way sporting's been playing the last few weeks, maybe even long, last couple of months, I, I don't, I don't know how much you want to tinker with things. You know, yeah. the, the, the latest evidence, the four-one victory at LAFC on Wednesday night, they were just tremendous, tremendous. Um, yeah, four-nil against a good team on the road. Um, wow, just historic. Just break it down. Yeah. yeah, historic. Tell us, tell us why. Yeah, um, for true history. I know LAFC hasn't been in the league for that long, uh, but they've, yeah, uh, they've never conceded four goals at home. Um, so Sporting's the first team to travel to the Bank of California Stadium and score four goals. Um, Sporting was 3-0 up at half-time, which is the first time since 2010 that Sporting's gone on the rows and scored three goals in the first half. Um, so both, yeah, historical you know, meaningful stats. It's not just you. It's not your piddly kinds of stats. Like, ah, first time Sporting scored 70 degrees on a Wednesday night. You know, it's like meaningful stats. So, excellent game. Alan Pleaso did come back. He scored after 20 minutes despite having practice with the team for a month. Uh, and they just look so good. And after the Seattle game, I asked Peter if that was a statement game. He said, no. After the LAFC game, I asked the same question. He said he doesn't even know what a statement game is. Uh, as soon as you get full of yourself, the soccer gods will get you. So, they're staying grounded, which is great. But, yeah, I think he kind of has to say that, right? But when you take a look at it, go wide angle. Yeah, you've... The Seattle game, I got his viewpoint in that uh, both teams were missing players, gold cups, injuries, so on and so forth. Um but LAFC, you know, they were miss, missing Segura, missing Murillo, two very good defenders. But that was an LAFC team that was still stacked with all-stars. You know, Atuesta, Vela, Rossi, um, and even Pascal's guys. You've got, you know, plenty of great depth down the team. So 4-1 on the road, that is a big, big, big victory for Sports and KC. And now top of the West with a game in hand. They they own the West Coast this year as well. They it's yeah. playing well in, in in the West Coast, and again they go back on the road on Saturday against against Colorado. Daniel Shallowy, another goal for him, and uh, big news for him this week as well. Uh, yes. Tell us about that. 
Yes, Daniel Shallow, he first all-star call-up, um, which is great for him. He was he is sports and KC's only representative this year. And he keeps the tradition going of a sporting player being in every single all-star roster since uh, in August season of the league back in 96. So, uh, great for him. But yeah, it's, uh, I think it does bring up the question of, I personally am, I think fan voting for all-star games, it's a nice way to get the fans interested. But it's a popularity contest. Um, you know, let's not forget the, I can't remember if it was the 2014 or the 2015 MLB all-star game. That was basically the Royals um, because of the, the fan voting, which is great. And obviously, it was lots of good players who deserve to be there. But um, you look at Daniel Shallow, he, he has the most... Their goal contributions in the league, combining goals and assists, 15. He's tied for second in um, in goals, and he's right behind the leader, well, Carlos Hill. Uh, he has a lot of assists, but Shallow is up the standings in assists as well. And he wasn't voted in by the fans. Um, how the MLS all-star and, game works. Yeah, cool. I was going to say, and first player produced from the academy. Yeah, MLS All Star team, which is pretty darn cool. Hey, let, let's yeah. keep it on. Let's keep it on the men's side just for another moment or two. Um, did both you guys see the Gold Cup final? Did you stay awake long enough to see it all, Cora? Did you did you burn the midnight oil to watch USA Mexico? I'm not going to lie. I tried to go to bed early so I could wake up for the game, and then I ended up just staring at my wall and then I woke I like turned on to Twitter and I was saw that they won and I was like I should just watch the game (laughs) (laughs) it was it it was incredible you know the U.S. Mexico the second time they played this summer for for a trophy and the U.S. wins both of those games there's something Sean you you have followed soccer your whole life you know what the great rivalries are in the sport, in, in club play and in international play. I, I don't know where USA Mexico ranks, but when games turn out to be just chaos and havoc and, you know, just, you know, just a frenzy type of game. And I think the crowds contribute to that as well. This is a yeah. pretty darn good rivalry. Oh yeah, it's great. I was down powering like for the game. Um, not so much being uh, a big nice oil, more than fueling myself uh, with a little bit more oil to stay awake that nice. Um, but yeah, no, great rivalry. And yeah, Kansas City PL, you had out in the main courtyard, all of the Mexican fans. I was in Johnny's where a lot of the US fans were. Um, and you know, it's uh, I don't know if you can call it a friendly rivalry nowadays. There wasn't too much going on at PL, thankfully. But but yeah, I know, to answer your question about just how this rivalry ranks on the world stage, it's obviously the two best teams, you know, in CONCACAF and North America. So that helps, and it's a historical rivalry, just, you know, I, I guess being English, it's a little bit tougher for me to point to work. But USA Mexico, it's always just kind of been that big game for the last couple of decades now. I don't think it's been ranked as highly on the world stage just because it's the opposite side of the world from the European teams and it's like European soccer elitism, for lack of a better word, to it's not noted. But but no, I mean, even if you look at the FIFA rankings now, you know, after they do the most recent um, 
like I update rankings after this summer's worth of soccer. It's looking like USA will be number nine and Mexico number 11, I think. Which, I mean, that's a top, top, top matchup, right? If you get a 9 v 11 seed college basketball game, that's primetime TV. That's uh, uh, a regional final. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's an it's a, it's extremely exciting rivalry going forward. And for years, I feel like the US, at least my time in America, like the US might snatch a game here and there, and it's like, ah, the US is catching up to Mexico. And, you know, we look at the league's cup and whatnot, where all the um, CONCACAF Champions League, where the US, a US team occasionally beats a league or MX team. And it's like, US is catching up. I feel like we finally got to that point, right? You know, we've, we've had two finals. Um, the Nations League was US's the top team, right? That was a great game. And then, People probably shout at me for saying this. The Gold Cup roster. People are saying, "Oh, it's not an A team, a B team, blah blah blah." I'm like, "Well, I mean, pick the best players wearing at the Gold Cup roster, and they still got it done." Mexico was missing a couple of players, but I was like, "80 percent of their first team who plays in the Nations League," and the US still managed to beat them. It was a great game plan from Bear Halter. New York, he knew that. The team at the US on the field couldn't go punch for punch with that Mexico team. So it was a defensive and attacking or counter attacking masterclass, in my opinion. Well, what a what fun for us to have Gianluca Busio and Alan Polito on the field against each other in the last 30 minutes or so of that game, including the including yeah. the, the extra time. So all right, let's let's take a break here. And when we come back, we've got some Olympic soccer and KCNWSL to talk about. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We are back with Cora Hall and Sean Goodwin who cover soccer for the Kansas City Star. Cora, um, the U.S. women's soccer team got a medal in Tokyo this week. Wasn't the color that they had hoped to get, but it is a medal, and uh, they, they won the bronze. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. Uh, I'm really sad for Vladko Andonovsky, the, the coach who had won – all of his games until he gets the Olympics, but was it about 22 games or so. He gets the Olympics. They get, they get hammered by Sweden. They get back though and get themselves in a position to play for a medal and then lose to Canada. So what, what are you feeling about the way the U S women's soccer team played at the Olympics? And I don't know what, what's, what's, what's in store for, for this team. Well, I think, you know, at the end of the day, a medal is a medal. And I think everyone needs to celebrate it as such because I, there's been a lot of discourse of this Olympics about, you know, getting gold versus other ones for these American athletes. And I think it's wrong to, you know, say, well, they didn't get the gold medal, you know, and in so many sports, I think that's just wrong to not celebrate a medal as a medal. Um, so first of all, that's, that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, second of all, you know, that, that rematch with Canada of the 2012 semifinal, I think everyone was so excited for that. And we're just really hoping that we were going to see the U.S. men's national team 
look like themselves after they really had not the whole tournament and it didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, so I think, you know, Canada deserves that win. It was, it was a penalty in my you know, opinion. That was a PK and it sucks that it was, it was Davidson because she had such a good game. You know, she's going to be such a good piece for them moving forward. Um, so, you know, I think her and her and Nair were the, the two that, you know, did play really, really well that game. So it was unfortunate that it happened that way, but, you know, I am excited to see Christine Sinclair get to compete for a gold medal. And I think that based on how that game was played, they deserve, they deserve the win. Um, great, great moment coming up for an opportunity for Canada to um, on, on the world stage. But I don't know, Sean, you know how I, I think maybe you know how I feel about PKs. I think the punishment has to fit the crime. And in this case, I'm not sure that it did, but Cora's is right. I, I don't think it was a wrong call. Just, I, I didn't like, I didn't like, I wouldn't have liked it either way, but I, I didn't like the call that, that gave Canada the opportunity for the penalty pick. Yeah. I mean, again, the day penalty is a penalty, you know, and it's a 90 minute game, right? So if you uh, don't take your chances, you know, we, we can be disappointed for the team or be wanting our game was decided one zero by a, uh, Unfortunate penalty again. It was a foul. It was just an unfortunate situation, to be honest. Um, but I mean, if you don't go up the other end and score a goal in ninety minutes, I feel like it's uh, that's how the game goes. To be honest, I have no issue with penalties in a game. I know penalty shootouts is a whole different question. Um, but I don't know. I I, I have a little bit less. Uh, less money riding on this as well being I mean I was team GB um, so obviously wanted America to win I think it was unfortunate that you know they had to settle for bronze but as Cora was saying it's still a medal race I just think it's tough for this current generation of players I, I, I truly think that that was probably their last good chance it's something you have to start moving on race and the likes of your Tobin Heaps, Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyds, Becky Sabrum. Great, great, great players, but you know, <laughs> you're getting on. Do, do you want to hold on to those players for the next World Cup or do you want to start giving some of your younger players a chance and trying to rebuild the next generation? It's like, how, how do you replace this team with Michael Jordans? Because uh, that's what they all are. <laughs> so it, it's, it's tough to see them go out not winning a uh, gold but a bronze is a bronze is still a medal right I also think it would have been tougher if they would have played well I mean they even all admitted that they weren't they weren't playing well and in obviously I'm not a coach and I do like Flatco but there was just subbing decisions that made me question what was going on like against Canada we were getting really just dominated the midfield, right? And you've got Julie Ertz in there for every single minute of every game besides the first one. And you've got, you know, Lindsey Horan and you started Lynn Williams and didn't start Sam Lewis, but you're going to take out Lynn Williams and not play her with press or Sam Lewis. And that just didn't make any sense to me when Sam Lewis and Lynn Williams were the ones scoring for you last game. Um, and then replacing the whole front line at the same time was just weird when the midfield was really the ones getting just ran over. And, you know, 
Sinclair obviously was was making Earth super ineffective. It was probably part of her job, and she did a good job of that. Um, but it hurt us because, you know, it just Lavelle and um, Haran were able to to make up for Julie kind of being taken out. So it was just there was decisions that I was kind of caught off guard by, um, along with the fact that we didn't get a shot on goal until the 65th minute. So that's the other. I mean, the the penalty didn't feel good. It was kind of a, a bad way to. But have them get ahead when they hadn't been pushing the, the tone or getting opportunities. That was like their first chance. Um, but we also didn't create any of those really quality chances for 65 minutes. So I don't really know, you know, how they expect to, to win a game like that. So uh, I think there were also, there's a lot of young players. I would love to see get a chance. I, I'm not going to lie. I grew up watching these, you know, legendary players who are at the end of their stint kind of, and it is really sad to see them go. And it's, obviously some of the greatest soccer players that will come through our national team, but there are so many exciting younger players that are going to do really great things with this national team. So I think, you know, you can be sad about the other ones leaving and think, Oh, it's the end of an era, but it's the start of a new one. And there are so many young players in the NWSL too, who are going to do great things with this team. So I'm personally very excited to see other people get their chance kind of like how we saw with the gold cup. So these young guys were exciting. They played, some of them played even better than we thought they would. And they went out and won a gold cup. So I think the U.S. women's team needs to kind of match that energy too going forward. Well, you're, you're right. And in, in the, you know, you talk about the end of an era. I, I do think when we look back on, um, you know, on, on this team and these players together, maybe the, maybe the greatest stretch of success with the two world cups and, um, you know, it's, it's too bad they couldn't, they couldn't cap it off with a gold medal, but listen, I, I can remember, and you guys aren't old enough, but I remember the, the changing of the guard previously when, after the 1999, uh, world cup, when, you know, the, the, the Mia Hamm, the Julie Foudy, the Christine Lilly, that, that team, um, you know, the teams don't stay together forever. And I think the decision was made this time to, to keep the veterans together for this you know, for the Olympics, give them a shot at the, you know, at, at the, uh, at the Olympics, they, there was disappointment. They didn't get a medal the last time they participated in the Olympic Games. So let's give them a chance to get a medal. Didn't get the gold, got the bronze. And, uh, and I, I do think over the next, uh, to answer Sean's question, I, I don't think we'll see some of these women in the next world cup, which is 2023, by the way, two years from now in, in Australia and in New Zealand. So. The other thing that Julie Foudy actually made a really good point of is, with this roster originally, you weren't going to have time to rebuild a younger roster because it was a year, right? And then COVID delayed it. So then you can't, then you can't gather players because no one's playing and there's nothing going on. So there wasn't like Vlaco kind of had his hands tied with the roster selection because it's like originally you weren't thinking you were going to have a lot of roster turnover because it's just a year. And then everything happens with COVID and you kind of have to stick to what's familiar and people who you, you know, believe can get the job done. Okay, hey, it's been a couple of games without Amy Rodriguez. How are the newcomers fitting into KCNWSL, Cora? Um, I would say swimmingly. They're doing – they jumped right in, and I've already made impacts. Uh, Caitlin got her first start in that last game, and I thought she was fantastic. Um, she made really, you know, good reaction saves, low to the post, you know, goals that aren't easy, you know, to, to, to get behind. So – and the two goals they gave up were very unfortunate. 
in that she didn't really have a chance. They weren't her fault. Um, so I thought she played very well, um, really connected with the back line with her feet, even though she's only been there since 22nd of July. So, you know, I think she's going to be a really key player for them going forward. And then, um, you know, Mace and Hamilton started up top and I thought they were just great last game. They, they started pushing the pace at the beginning. Um, you know, they really <laughs> should have had a goal pretty early on. You know, Hamilton had that, um, I believe it was a header and, and Bella Bixby just unhumanly leapt over with one hand and saved it. I was just with my jaw on the ground, I was like, that should have been a goal. Like that was stolen from them. So, you know, I'm jumping out to a one zero lead makes that a different game. I think last week, but they definitely started off, you know, really quite strong against Portland, which is the number one team in the league. Well, it seems like every time they play, they're playing the best team in the league. Uh, (laughs) Right. Okay. When, when's the next game? What's, what's next for them, Cora? They play Sunday at uh, Louisville. Gotcha. Racing Louisville, uh, another expansion team. Okay. Hey, guys, good conversation. Cora Hall, Sean Goodwin, thanks for joining us today. And this is the last show, at least for now. I mean, who knows what happens uh, after this. But uh, Cora Hall's time at the Kansas City Star will come to an end before we record another soccer podcast. Cora, we have really enjoyed having you and Briar Napier, who – couldn't be with us today because he is on another assignment. But what, uh, um, what fun it was to have you and Briar here this year, two interns for the Kansas City Star who really love soccer. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Made my life so much easier. Well, thank you. I've so enjoyed working with you guys, and it's been a fantastic summer. All right, guys. Take care. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Big thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Sean Goodwin and to Cora Hall for stopping by and talking soccer. Their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website, and of course they post first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel, and of course it's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs at training camp, the Royals, who just took two out of three at Chicago, the colleges, man, who... Who knows what's going on with KU, K-State, and the Big 12, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That is KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at accounts.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with another episode.